Hey everybody, and uh, welcome back to another exciting episode of Indie Film Cafe. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody, and uh, I've got a great show for you, and uh, I've got some guests here. Uh, first of all, I've got my co-host here, Paul A. Prezenza. How's it going, everybody? And Paul A. Prezenza, otherwise known as... The Moo Cow. Moo. <laughs> Alright, and we have also a special guest here, straight from... What? One of the Carolinas. North Carolina. Carolina. Here is Lenore Miller. How you doing, Lenore? Pretty good. All right. All the way back from season two. From season two. Yes. Uh, We're really excited to have you back here. And you guys are in for a treat. Uh, Paul wanted me to find something that was a little nicer than what he's planned for Lenore. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to separate this. This is going to be in May, and his one is going to be in June. That way, you know, it's not all the same people all the time, guess-wise. But uh, we, I, he's got something planned for her that I'm, I'm a little worried about. So I had to be, like, a lot nicer. And uh, Good cop, bad cop. I know. I had to be the good cop. I, I usually am. Because um, Paul, Paul tends to pick uh, things. Um, well, little... it's, it's Christmas time, so mine is definitely going to be Christmas-oriented. Which is sort of fine for June. It's like Christmas in June. Christmas in June. But here, I decided to pick the 1997 Steve Wang film, Drive. Oh. Which uh, I think you'll enjoy because you you thought Pocket Ninjas was a little silly. This is balls-to-the-wall, action-packed, just fun. Pure, unadulterated fun. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be a low on the stinkometer scale um, as far as things go. But we had already done uh, for Quick Review Thursday, I think it was. or No, it was What the Fuck Friday. We did uh, Kung Fu Rascals. Mm-hmm. So we'd already done a movie with Steve Wang before, but this is a, this is a different one, and this is one that's a little close to my heart. So I've always wanted to have it for Indie Film Cafe, and so I'm very glad to be able to show you guys. I think you're gonna like it. A little yeah, that, that's that's good. It's because you know I think I'm a little bit more Kung Fu Rascals, and you're probably a little bit more Drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny that I, I still was the one who did Kung Fu Rascals, but only because I found it and thought. This looked like a what the oh, fuck Friday. Oh, yeah, it was on my list. Yeah, so there you go. Well, until then, everybody, uh, listen up, and we're going to be back after some... Mood music. And we are back. Uh, with the beautiful Rockies here with us, aren't you here? Yeah. Um, and so we're here to talk about Drive. Uh, first of all, this is your first time for both of you guys watching this movie. Uh, I'll go with uh, Lenore first. What did you think of this movie? I, I liked it. Um, it was definitely like, well, a- any other Hollywood movie. It's not a Hollywood movie, though. That's the thing. It's an indie movie. Oh. Well, it was a pretty generic action movie, but I still really liked it. Although, if I'm being honest, my favorite part was Rocky. The... There's not a dog in the movie. There's just a dog in real life who... There should have been. There's... He's very cuddly. Yeah. So you had more fun hanging out with Rocky than watching the movie? <laughs> is that what you're saying? It wasn't a bad movie. Yeah. It's just I really like dogs. I know. That was, that was a little bit of your kryptonite right there. All right. Uh, how about you, Paul? Um... 
I mean, I'd have to agree. It's um, it was well done. It uh, definitely shows that Stephen Wang can do anything that Hollywood can do. Right. Like she thought it was Hollywood. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very Hollywoodish. But that's also a little bit disappointing because I love Kung Fu Rascals and I love the fact that it's not like anything else. And indie film, you know, I, I love the idea that it does movies that other people don't. So why make a Hollywood movie? Other than, I guess, because that's where he wants to go and that's what he aspires to. Yeah, he aspires that late. You know, I'll get into some a little bit of background on this movie. Um, but there's I, a lot of John Woo in this, and there's a lot of, you know, we were talking Rush Hour and some of the other movies. Well, Hollywood movies Rush Hour out. was after this movie. Like, they were made around the same time, so it wasn't even <clears> like they were mimicking that, you know? No, no, but, yeah, it's... It, you it, Plot-wise, you haven't seen anything different in this. Yeah. It's so, just for having an indie group pulling it off. It's different. On a low budget. The $3 million budget, I believe, if I'm correct. And that, to me, is the, the thing that makes it a lot cooler is that, like, they didn't have, you know, $150 million or $60 million or whatever. No, but I could just see you giving $3 million. You'd be like, I want more sets to explode and more things over here and more fights, more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, this, I think that's why I really, like, got drawn to this movie because... It's got the independent heart, but it's got the Hollywood heart, too. It's got, like, two hearts to it, you know, and I enjoy that. Like, that's my kind of thing. Um, so here it's a, uh, well, it was it was released in 1997, but it was actually shot, I believe, in 1995. That's what I got from some of the uh, uh, behind-the-scenes. Um, I forgot to grab the, uh, the this thing, so I'll probably have to go grab that in a little bit. Um but uh which actually has all the special features that are on them. I mean this is this was a 4K, but we actually just watched the original cut, not the director's cut, which I wonder what more could they have added to well, the Well, clearly they said it was extended, so there was more stuff. There's more stuff. I wonder if there's more fight scenes and more, more stuff, you know. <laughs> more more talking, stuff. yeah. And so more with Brittany Murphy, maybe, Aww, you know. Poor Brittany Murphy. Yeah, we'll talk it's about her in a little bit. Bittersweet seeing her like that. Um, yeah, her having fun, and it just, enjoy. she looked like she enjoyed the movie, but, um, it was directed by Steve Wang, um, Steve was the director of The Giver 1 and 2, which mm -hmm. you've talked about, and you yep, said, you might want to do that one day for one yeah, of your shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he also did Kung Fu Rascals. Yay. Which we did for What the Fuck Fridays. It's fun and silly. Yeah. He's also directed episodes of Power Rangers, I forgot which one, and... Cayman Riders, Dragon Knight. So yeah. he's done a lot of those kind of... You can see a lot of the... Uh, uh, fight scenes. Fight being, scenes, with, yeah. Being very Power Rangers-like. Yeah, very. he could tell the choreography. He was definitely into that sort of thing. Uh, it was written by Scott Phillips, um, the writer-director of Stink of Flesh, which we... Uh, uh, which we did for What the Fuck Fridays. He also did a movie that we I do plan on doing for Indie <clears> Film <throat> Cafe, either next season or season after, called Gimme Skelter, which stars Trent Haga. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, he's Man, done. Trent Haga's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he also did. Uh, he also wrote, I believe he wrote like a Friday the Thirteenth book, you know, novel and a few other stuff. Can you imagine a Friday the Thirteenth mashed up with Drive and a lot more fun and action and yeah. chopsaki? That would be awesome. Like Jason getting his ass whooped by like a martial arts person or fighting back, like being a martial arts guy. That nobody's that, done that. 
not yet. Crystal Lake, they're making a series, Crystal Lake. Uh, Crystal Lake Ninjas. <laughs> Crystal Lake Ninjas. There you go, that's the spinoff. Alright, um, right, so it stars Mark Dacascus, who, um, uh, as Toby Wong, uh, who acted in Only the Strong, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I absolutely adore that movie. I did it for Hollywood Knockbusters already. Uh, and Double Dragon, which I also did for Hollywood Knockbusters with Liz. We had a fun time with that one. Uh, he was also the Iron Chef. Do you remember that show? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was the Iron Chef. Oh, okay. You know? uh, so he's also been in a lot of stuff like John Wick 3, Brotherhood of the Wolf, and many other... Yeah, movies. that's where I know mainly from, Brotherhood of the Wolf. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, he's in that and everything. So he's a he's great actor. Um... Kadeem Hardison, uh, who played Malik uh, Brody, uh, we never got his last name, but you know that that was his last name. Who's acted in a different world? That was an old sitcom I used to watch all the time. He played Dwayne Wayne, you know, a goofy look character. I believe he had like classes. Is that a Cosby spinoff? I think so. I think it was the Cosby and uh, Cosby spinoff where the girl goes to uh, college and mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, he was also in White Man Can't Jump. He was the narrator in a trauma movie uh, that I plan to do someday um, called B.C. Butcher. Oh, B.C. Butcher. I know that one. Uh, and he was also huh. in Android Cop and many others, you know. Uh, John Piper Ferguson as Vic Madison. He's acted in Suits, The 100, The Last Ship, and many other TV shows. You said he looked yeah, familiar. Yeah, the... there are a lot of familiar faces. In this. He was the he was the bad guy that had the long right. hair and everything. Right. Um, the incompetent bad guy. Brittany Murphy as Deliverance Bodine. Um, so I liked her. Uh, she's acted in Clueless, Cherry Falls, Just Married, Girl Interrupted, and many, many, many more. Until she, until her unfortunate death, and I want to say two thousand and nine. I want to say something, something like that. that. And yeah. it was <clears> uh, what a shame. Yeah, um, such a such a sad thing. I was talking to a friend of mine about it the other day, and uh, you know, yeah, it's just it's a sad thing. All right, um, the cinematographer was Michael G. I am going to fuck this name up very badly, but it's Wachowski. Oh, okay, so that's the guys from, uh, uh, oh, God. Uh, it's not The Matrix. No, it's not The Matrix, guys? No, he had nothing to do with The Matrix. <laughs> but he, it sounds similar to that name, you know. But it's like, what, what did you ask you? I don't know. Uh, no idea. Polish? I, it looks like, I guess Something, Polish I don't know. He DP'd for uh, Blood Fist uh, 5, Human Target. Extreme Days, which uh, will be reviewed someday. Not sure if it'll be a quick review or if it'll be a uh, full-length thing, but it's a... And I don't think you'll be involved because <laughs> you... Uh, it's a Christian uh, ski movie, you know, a snowboarding movie. Uh, Christian snowboarding movie? Yeah, you might like it. I don't know. <laughs> it's a comedy. Snowboarding um, for Jesus. No, it's got the guy from... Uh, it's got Dante Bosco, who's been in, like, Hook and a bunch of other stuff. Which it's just a bunch of stuff you wouldn't like. So I figured I might have to get somebody else that like maybe Joe. Joe. Yeah, somebody like that to, to watch it with me. Um But uh let's see. He also was the cinematographer for Guyver Dark Hero, which I'm guess is where you met um uh met Steve. 
And then uh, Sleep Stalker. So I've heard of that. Hmm. But a bunch of other things, too. Like, all these people have done more than just a few yeah, a lot of the a lot of the people in the background you know tracy waters was there and um, yeah uh, the guy who played well, the bad guy i forget his name though we'll get into <laughs> more of them in a little bit um the editor was ivan let's oh my god these names uh ladin zinski uh who's edited a movie called call girl he he uh he edited one afternoon uh after school special uh, starring Morgan Fairchild, called Teenage Con- uh, Confidential. He edited a movie called Drinking Games and many more. And then the composer of our movie, because there's two composers. One was the composer for our one. One was the composer for the director's cut. So if you listen to the, watch the director's cut, there's completely different music hmm. uh, throughout it. Um, uh, I believe, or at least like some of it's changed or whatever. Uh, Walter was, were Zawa was the one that, uh, composed ours. Uh, David Williams composed director's cut. Walter worked on Mortal Kombat as an additional, doing additional music. Uh, Trekkies, which I think you like that oh, movie. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Cherry Falls, Mimic 2, and others. Uh, David composed The Prophecy 1 and 2, Phantoms, Critters 3, and many, many more. So. That was that was some of the background. I mean, I there is a forty-seven minute or so uh, behind the scenes, which goes into deeply, you know. And then there's like a twenty to thirty minute, um, just other one that they have, and then they have interviews that go on about twenty minutes. So there's an audio commentary with the the director, uh, and I think either stunt stunt coordinator, stunt fighter, or whatever, and. Um, or fight coordinator, something like that, and then uh, Mark and uh, Kadeem did uh, commentary with them. Mm. So uh, I'd, I'd be more than interested in hearing <clears throat> all of that. But I didn't want to like listen to all that before doing the podcast because I feel like a lot of times when I do that, I I get like I want to talk more about what they've are what they've talked about instead of bringing my own original thoughts into this. Mm. You know, I just want to do a little bit of background so you guys were familiar. So. Uh, so, aside from that, um, we're gonna, I guess, go into the story of the film, which we always like to give to Lenore, because Lenore's really good at that, so take it away, Lenore. Okay, uh, it's kind of like a buddy cop movie, except they're not cops. Rush Um, Hour. mm. That was, like, I think the point of Rush Hour, right? Like, they were cops. Um, somebody has an experimental device and plants it into their chest from... China, I think, or Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. Hong Kong. Uh, they're trying to get it removed, and a company has offered to buy it and remove it for him in exchange for $5 million if he can get to L.A. So he gets to San Francisco and um, meets somebody in a bar, and people try to kill him and the guy in the bar. Uh, so he sort of takes him hostage, and they drive, and they get chased, and the two guys that uh, end up becoming friends along the way, which, now that I'm saying that out loud, sounds a bit like Stockholm Syndrome. Because <laughs> it started out as a kidnapping. It was a kidnapping. But even at one point, when he's discussing it, he's like, he kidnapped me, but now, but, but now I'm all, he's going to let me go. Or, you know, we're cool. <laughs> yeah, plot-wise, it's kind of formula, kind of cartoonish, but yeah. it uh, makes more sense than when you're watching it. Kidnapping <clears throat> turns into friendship, and they're being chased as they go to L.A. to try and get it removed from his chest. Um, 
And if they succeed, they get to split five million dollars. Yeah. Also, they blew up a motel. They done not just a motel. They blew up a lot of well, stuff. Well, they yeah. didn't really do it. They okay. The shot people it. chasing them blew yeah. up the motel, and they feel responsible for some reason. Because who was there at the motel? I honestly don't know if they're a teenager or not. I think so. It might have been a teenage girl who was trying to act much older than they were. Um, and had no idea how. <laughs> yeah, she was flirting very badly, I guess, is the way to put it. Very badly. Extremely badly. Constantly. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more in a little bit. But, I mean, uh, she wouldn't even let the guy sleep. She just goes in his room and starts poking him and then throws water in his face and jumping on top of the bed. It's like, Ugh. Well, it's like a kid. And um, I wonder yeah, if that was like... Because... So confusing. Like, on one part, she's an expert on cars. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, maybe she's just a bit awkward and likes cars. And then she's acting like a little kid. And I'm like, how old is this person? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she has some kind of, um, I don't know, autism kind of thing or something. I don't know. I, mean, I don't think be... I've ever seen one act like that before. Well, you said she looked like she was on crack or something. You know, yeah, some exactly. kind of drugs. And so, I don't know. I have autism. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, see, I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen you act I don't like think that. You, you've never jumped on anyone's I mean, the knowledge of cars up. would fit if you happen to be interested in cars. You just, that's not your thing. You're knowledgeable about other things like You're not science, you know, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's really knowledgeable, knowledgeable on cars, but I think it's because, well, she says she loves them. And so maybe she, she, but she, yeah, but she's like, it's almost like as if somebody kind of knew... Like, we had to make this girl seem like a childlike, but she isn't a child. She's of age or whatever, I guess. I could not I mean, tell. There yeah. have been plenty of reasons, even keeping the flirting, and have plenty of reasons to make the flirting uncomfortable without making her seem very childlike. Well, you even said at one point, Paul, that you were, like, uh, thinking it was awkward. Like, that, that the oh, whole yeah. point. But, like... That maybe the point right. of all of this stuff was to make everything awkward About all the time. kisses her later on. That wasn't really him kissing her. That was kind of her... Pulling him in. And, like, yeah, she plants one on him. You know, which he didn't want. Remember, he's still in love with his wife, ex-wife, whatever you want oh, to call Oh, so it. you don't think he goes back and, and uh, goes back to Brittany Murphy's character? No. I think she's, he stays away from her, even though he probably oh, yeah, owes her she's nuts. He owes her some money, yeah. probably. She'd probably at least give her 100000 of the $2.5 million. We forgot to mention that. So one of the things in the movie is the reason the guy stays is only because, you know, there's a, you know, with staying, he gets $2.5 million. Also, with helping him with the car and traveling, he can actually help help this guy you know or whatever instead of leaving him out to potentially fend for himself and which what he doesn't want him to be murdered yeah he kind of feels bad for the guy like he doesn't like that he kidnapped him originally but yeah. like <laughs> and i get that point the gun at him but he needed i mean would he have rather i guess he would have rather the guy just took his car right and stuff but um i mean and that's kind of one of the problems i had with it too because you remember you kept saying about how um, the one guy is supposed to, he has the good guy law where he's not supposed to actually just kill the damn bad guy so that he can not have him be chased anymore because then he'll become a bad guy. But he's already demonstrated that by putting a gun on the innocent guy and threatening to kill him if he doesn't drive him someplace. 
So that's already kind of stepped into the bad guy zone. Even though well, he claims he's not. He's like, yeah, you kind of are, dude. You, you are, but you're not. Because he's, <clears throat> I mean, he's got to get there somehow. And either he kicks the guy out and tells him, and then that guy could die because the people are chasing them. Or he helps keep that guy safe by keeping him around, you know, and everything. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, there's... The movie rules say he's not the bad guy because he befriended his kidnapping victim. Mm. Which is, of course, ridiculous logic. Well, it's because that's the thing is that these formula movies, they make it so it seems like you can either do this or this. When the reality is there's a whole variety of choices you can make. It's not just this black and white. And that's it. Yeah, so they had to really contrive things to make it so that they didn't kill anyone. Yeah. Right. Which is ridiculous because there are some things in there that would obviously have been fatal, like the chainsaw. Yeah, I, and that's why I say, you know, this is this is kind of cartoony. It's cartoony. And, and it's... That's you know, the convention of this kind of a film. And here, once once again, we've talked. you talked earlier about the fact that you're not into these kind of movies because, generally speaking... Generally speaking. Generally speaking. But you don't see too many indies doing this. Or when they do, it's usually a miserable failure because it's usually somebody doing it like a vanity project like Get Even or some of the other ones. Yeah. That's why I kind of mentioned Get Even. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, no, no. So even though, I, I mean, I love this as a conventional story... The idea that it was well done from an indie point of view with all these indie people is a very different kettle of fish. Yeah. I mean, the, the people who worked on it, I mean, because, okay, so they got, the, what, three million or whatever it was to shoot this movie. And they're like, okay, we're going to hire, and you were even saying, did they hire, you know, SAG actors? Yeah, they've hired SAG actors. They hired union crews. Look great. You know, um, from what I heard, uh, Steve actually had two sets of crews. One crew would work during the day, and then one crew would work at night and come in and just like some people would be leftovers, you know, or whatever. But most of the time, it was. I mean, you saw how many shots there were. And they had mm. to, They had to get it done at a certain amount of time. They only had a certain amount of time to make the movie. And so. with your SAG, you can only work so long. I know. So like the actors can only work. Uh, uh, I think about 8 to 12 hours, something like that. Yeah, so that's a real scheduling issue that you have to figure out. If you've got two crews, one during the day, one at night, you got to partition it so that your day crew does all the people with a certain group of actors, and then you've got your night crew, and then you're going to have to manage it so that your actors, who have to be in both, can only do a few hours here and a few hours there. So exactly. It's a lot of scheduling, and a lot of balancing, and I, I wouldn't want to have to go through that. And I wonder, because uh, from mm. what I've understood, Mark Dacascus did a lot of his own stunts in this movie. If he was credited as a stunt guy, he should have been. which, if that's if that's true, if they, like he was that, then I think they, they can overlook the uh, some of his scenes where he's fighting and everything as like, hey, we can go over... The eight hours or well, whatever. In that case, he better have been paid as a stunt coordinator as well. I know, I hope And so. I imagine he did, and I imagine, I mean, if at least he would have been an assistant in that regard, and I imagine he probably helped out with everybody else's stunts as well, because there were a lot of extras that were doing stunts too. Uh, there were a lot of extras. There were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of henchmen. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of fight scenes. I mean, there were helicopters. Lots there were multi multiple vehicles. There were the, the big giant gravel sh shot scene setting. There was the uh, the boat setting, the big, huge boat oh, setting. Oh, God, that was amazing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and plus there were two or three very large sets that were built. And even by 1995 standards, 
that's a lot of money that you got to throw in <laughs> you on were, it. You were yeah. like, wow, there's a they got a boat, you know, like that. That doesn't. It's not that's cheap. That's not cheap. Nope. You know, I mean, especially because you have to shut the boat down unless it's a boat that's like specifically made for movies. I mean, it's you know? possible. No, it's possible. Angel, they always have a big boat on Angel. Uh, it tends to be the same one, but... You know. Right, and then you, you shoot on that one. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes it's a fight scene like this or whatever, but or it's, a, or it's just but a scene where, you know, people on a boat. That's the advantage of having, like, United Artists or, or whoever. You have that kind of asset. Yeah. You, we bought a boat. We use it for multiple shoots and different movies, and it can be available whenever we need it. But as an indie person... You know, you generally don't have access to that unless you get it, uh, work out some kind of a deal, and then you have to pay them still. Usually. And then you have to have a schedule for that, so you right. can only shoot like eight hours and on the boat. Insurance and yeah. all that stuff. So I mean, there's a lot that go into it, and to think like only three million, if that's true, like that is like that's nothing. Yeah, it's a know? huge, huge undertaking. And while I like, you know, Kung Fu Rascals a bit better. It's a completely, completely different ball of wax. You know, this this has every trappings of a standard Hollywood production without the big giant uh, money behind it. Although three million is a lot of money, still, you know, most Hollywood movies are fifty to hundred million dollars and up. So you can you've got a lot of money, you know, backing you up to be able to do things. These guys had three million bucks, but I can tell you they probably would wish they had another three million to be able to do everything that they really, really wanted to do. And just for safety's reasons and being able to take their time and do multiple shots and back things up. So at some point I would like to see the director's cut just to see if there's different stuff or different things added. We'll have to do it for like Patreon only or something at some point because... We also did not see the 4K version, mm. so the 4K version is the uh, is the director's cut. Still look good, though. And we decided to not watch the uh, director's cut because, well, a we haven't you know we hadn't watched the original cut together, so it, it would probably be better to wait another time to do it. Maybe do a redo or something. Mm. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to look see what the budget is because I don't know if it's even listed online um how much it even made because like i don't think this made a lot of money because it went straight to video yeah that's a shame it went direct to video it should have been a um it's kind of a shame that they didn't wait an extra year or two so that you know this kind of buddy thing i mean even though it was kind of already out there i don't know that they were quite like this all right so it it says on here the budget was 3.5 million but it doesn't say how much they made um, three point five or three. I mean, still, still that's a that's still a lot of uh, that's for indie movie. And that for an indie movie, that's a lot of money. For like a Hollywood movie, that's nothing. That's chump change. Neil Breen you know? wishes he had three point five million. And you know what you usually get for like three million on like a Blumhouse movie or whatever? You get one location and maybe a couple big time actors. Right. They decided to not have huge actors. Eric you Roberts. know, but Eric Roberts. Well, Eric Roberts is not a big time actor, you know, but we love Eric Roberts and we love seeing him in a bunch of stuff, you know, he's always in things, you know, like he's busy, but he's not, he's not what we're, you know, what, you know, even Gary Busey isn't, uh, isn't the big time actor. I'm thinking more like, um, Brad Pitt, you know, or something doing one of these or, uh, well, to go back to Blumhouse, Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hawke was in a bunch of those Blumhouse movies. 
and they only cost like one to two million dollars, you know, to make. Yeah, I don't know, Ethan Hawke's quite a big star, but you know, he's he's more of a star than Eric Roberts. That's for well, sure. yeah, he's a big star. He was in that uh, the Northman movie, and he's been in a bunch of stuff. Like he's he's doing really well for himself now, even more. I more. thought he was doing more directing, wasn't he? I don't think he's even directing much. You know, no. But anyway, um, let's go back uh, to this movie. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty, you know, impressed by what they were able to do. I mean, uh, I just looked it up. I, I saw that the uh, fight choreographer uh, uh, was in stunt work was done by Koji, uh, Ko, Koshi Sakamoto. And, oh, uh, he's a Japanese. He's a Japanese-born stunt actor-producer for films and television. Uh, mainly worked on the Power Rangers. Yeah, so, yeah. That, you can see that. Yeah, so once again... You, it did have a Power Rangers look to the fight. Did you think so? Yeah. yeah. It would have been way more obvious if they were wearing Power Rangers armor. He did, uh, yep, he did the Cayman uh, stuff too, Cayman Rider. Didn't we do something with Cayman Riders? Yes, we did. We, did, did, we, Han we did Hahnemann and the Five Riders. Five Riders, It yeah. was a rip-off of the... Okay. Uh, um, and then... Uh, unofficial rip-off. Yeah, so those are the real stuff, I guess. There's a lot of television they did. Um, uh, but yeah, he also did stuff, choreography for Space Sheriff Next Generation. Never heard of that. Oh, it's a Japanese thing. <laughs> Japanese rip-off of Star Trek, I guess. There you go. Um, I didn't know they did those, but awesome. Oh, he did the... Okay, he did the fight... Alright, so I'm going to give you guys a hint. But we are going to be doing this year, this season. I don't know with who or when, but expect a movie called Devin's Ghost, uh, Legend of the Bloody Boy, which is uh, co-directed by a Power Ranger. And, a, you know, a Mighty Morphin Power Ranger from America. You know, and uh, I think... Uh, uh, and his stunt choreography was done. And I could tell, like, very similar fight choreography and stuff. Mm. You know, people, like, p kicking each other and then, like, flying through the air or, you know, twirling around. I stuff like that. You. Yeah, you must have go to Paul. Go, Rocky. Rocky is interested in Paul right now, like, all the time. I have no pizza. Yeah. No, he doesn't care. Um, yeah, he's like, I don't know about this. I don't think he has room, you know. Um, anyway, there's not much room, buddy. Come here, come here, come over here. Sorry, guys. Uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna steal my baby. He's a pest and a menace. He's adorable. Menace to society. Here you go. Go right on there. Come here, baby. I know. I know next to, you can pull up next to us. That's You're not the boss of me. Actually, I am, but all right. Anyway, <laughs> he's gonna go and be silly. All right, um... So, to go back, that we just took about a minute out of, uh, or more, just to talk about Rocky. Um, it's going to happen a lot, I think, on this stuff. Um, so, uh, to go back to there, uh, I, you know, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I, I, let's, let's talk about the editing of the film. And as I said earlier, the editing was, uh, uh, was done by, um... Ivan Ladovinsky or whatever. I think he's Russian, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of Eastern Europeans in this. Yeah. Like, probably, that's probably where the money came from. Probably. And so, um, yeah. Tommy so Wiseau. No, not by Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah. So, apparently, uh, what is it? Uh, Ivan uh, edited it. And I thought it was... 
it was really well done editing wise. I, I was I was uh, impressed by just where it cut from one to the other. Yeah, a few too many of those those shots where he's like, I notice, I notice way I, too many of those. But I think that was his thing, right? Like it's always their thing. That's, right. Does that thing annoy you? It does annoy me because it's been done so many times. Well, he's got a spider sense. He's, his spider senses were tingling. Mm. You know, I mean, whatever. He, he, do, you, do you know what we're talking about, Lenore? <laughs> those cuts where he noticed something? Yeah, mm. where he was be like, Whoa. Yeah, I didn't mm. notice too many of those. He pointed out every single time. Yeah, I noticed very many because it's 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 a standard trope in these kind of films. Yeah, every single time it happened, it was like, oh god, he noticed something again, and you know, which, I mean, Mark does a great job. I mean, what you guys think of Mark? Oh, it was great. He was fine. There was no no problem. You know, uh, he fits the role very well. I thought he looked a little bit like. Jason Lee, and that also kind of was a little bittersweet. Are, are you talking about Jason Lee or Jason Scott Lee? Uh, I'm talking about um, The Crow. Oh, you're talking about Brandon, Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee, yeah, that's what I meant. I was like, wait, I kept, I kept thinking you were talking about Jason Lee from Chasing Amy. Mm-mm. And I was like, what the fuck? I, don't, I was like looking at him going, I don't, I don't see it. Now I see Brandon Lee. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay. And well, he also did his action stuff. Well, there's also Jason Scott Lee, and he's like got longer hair, mm-hmm. and he, you know, um, very great actor too. But no, that's not. That's who I thought. Like, so confused. So yeah. now, now that you see Brandon Lee, and, and that makes sense. You know, I liked a lot of the John Woo moments with the sunglasses and the long coat. I fully yeah. expect him to pull out two machine guns at the same time. And... The sunglasses <clears throat> confused me. It's a it's a Hong Kong action thing that. Uh, a director by the name of John Woo kind of made famous with his films. And and later we stole <clears throat> it and, and did it for Blade. You know, mm. um, Blade, Wesley Snipes' Blade. We stole a lot of stuff from John Woo in I the know. 90s and aughts. Okay. You know, but yeah, that's... Uh, face Off. Face Off. And, and they, even mentioned, they even mentioned Face Off in the movie or something, right? Mm. If I'm correct. Or wait, no, I was behind the scenes I was watching. They're watching, and and uh, the behind the scenes, uh, they mentioned that Face Off was a movie that very much inspired this movie. Did you, did you mention that Chris Seaver really likes this movie? I did. Yes, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, no, he he actually got on me because I bought the the DVD of it, and he was like, "Why did you buy the DVD when there's a 4K?" I was like, "Cause I don't have the money for 4K. I got like." There's a 4K of this. That's amazing. And there was a, yeah, you know, I forgot. Who put it out? Who put it out? I forgot uh, what company. Um, I'll go grab it real quick. I mean, does that mean that there's a 4K of Kung Fu Rascals floating around out there? Oh, there's going to be. Or at least a Blu-ray. I don't know if that's going to, which one's going to be which, but I got to grab, because remember, that's what um, Troy Froman was doing, and he was uh, meeting up with them and doing that. Yeah. I'm going to grab the case, and you guys talk real quick. At some point, we'll have to sit uh, Lenore down to watch Kung Fu Rascals. Yeah, I think she'd enjoy that. I think you'd have fun with that. It's it's a lot more of kind of a Shaw Brothers, traditional Hong Kong, uh, Asian, buddy, buddy, chop sake, ridiculous over-the-top kind of movie. With lots of walking statues and lots of crazy kung fu and silly, ridiculous stuff. It's um, a little bit more fun, I thought. It's a little bit more my style. Uh, this one's a little more Hollywoodish, which is why I, I don't care for it quite as much. But as I've said, 
making of this movie is 100% different than the making of, say, a small little indie Kung Fu Rascals kind of a film. It's, there is just so much. Just to get some of the shots down would be just a tremendous job in and of itself. Right. Um, and just in the, all the different locations and so all the different stuff. So to pull off all of that production and to do it well... Um, they did a really, really good job. So that's clearly where a lot of the money also went, is all these professionals doing their jobs. So MVD put this out. Um, and it's a... Uh, uh, so the features include ultra-high definition, 2,160 2, P presentation of the extended cut, which was 118 minutes. Uh, in... Uh, uh, two point whatever, so four, uh, 4K scan, brand new 4K scan, uh, presented in uh, Dolby Atmos. The original cut with alternate musical score is 100 minutes. Optional English uh, uh, SDH on both cuts. Audio commentary, I told you with uh, Steve Wang, the fight choreographer, and the stars. Um, Highway to Nowhere. Uh, James Tobin and uh, Jason Tobin and Drive. I'm not sure who Jason Tobin was. Mm -hmm. um, Drive, the force behind the storm documentary, six deleted scenes, interview gallery with cast, director, and crew, including Mark Gaskis and Kadeem Hardison and director Steve Wang, uh, whatever. Anyway, all these other people. Reversible artwork, I guess. So you can have like this artwork or you can turn it around and, you know, put it to be this. Artwork. Where's the Brittany Murphy artwork? I don't know. She's in the back. Oh, okay. She's on the back of one of them. So, yeah. So if I do this one, she's on the back of it. If I do the other one, she's not. But nobody's on the back of the other <clears> one. <throat> uh, but, yeah. So that's uh, that's Drive right Well, that's there. great. Yeah. I, I mean, getting this on Blu-ray was one thing, but getting it on a 4K is very surprising. Interestingly enough, that's just the 4K. MVD put it out. Just mm. the 4K does not include a Blu-ray oh, okay. copy of it. So I only have it now on uh, 4K, and I have a DVD of it now, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that, if I'm going to keep it or if I'm going to just give it to somebody or something, you know. Um, you never know in case the 4K player dies. Yeah, it's true. At least you have the movie um, on DVD. That's all right. I'll keep it because you know if I <laughs> you get better it, get the Blu-ray too, just in case the DVD player and the 4K dies. <laughs> I might have to get a Blu-ray of it too if I can find it. And the VHS too. Uh, you know what? That's where I first saw this movie on VHS, mm -hmm. and it had a really cool artwork. It had Mark Dacascos on a. Uh, uh, is it on here? I think it was this cover, if I'm correct, the front cover. No, it was not that. Uh, there was a cover where it was uh, him on on the car that he was on with the gun pointed down and just a drive and everything. And I was like, oh, that looked cool. You know, so I, I rented it years ago and I was like, this is neat. And I once again, it was at the time where I was already familiar with Mark Kaskis. And, because uh, I first watched Only the Strong when it came out, you know, and everything, mm -hmm. in 94 or something. 94, yeah, like 94, 95-ish. And I watched that, and I was like, oh my god, who's this, you know, like, what is this? What's he doing lately? I haven't seen him do anything lately. I mean, he was in John Wick 3, he was in, I mean, he's still yeah, I, keeping... I saw the first John Wick, I haven't seen any of the others. 
Uh, you know, uh, I don't I don't usually watch movies past the first one. Yeah, uh, understandable. Um, now he's been in uh, Blade of the Forty Seven Ronin. Oh, okay. That sounds like a dollar store movie that I probably picked up. Uh, maybe. Um, then he was in Run and Gun. Uh, Batman Soul of the Dragon. He did a voice. Batman uh, Soul of the Dragon? Yeah, it's a Batman uh, huh. cartoon, I guess. Oh, okay. Animated. Uh, yeah, animated. BC-14 kind. Did another movie called The Driver, where he played the driver. So Interesting. He, Drive and the driver. Yeah. Uh, so he's in John Wick Chapter 3, a TV show called Woo Assassins, uh, Maximum Impact, Ultimate Justice. These, these other John Wick movies, are these, uh, Coscarelli, Don Coscarelli as well, or is it somebody else taking over the franchise? Well, did Don Coscarelli have something to do with that? I thought, for some, reason, for some reason I thought he did the first one, although maybe John dies at the end, I always get those confused. No, yeah, he did John dies at the end, not, uh... John Wick. John Wick is uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh, it's Keanu Reeves. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you've seen that then. Because they never made... You never made uh, John Dies at the End 2. Like, they never did a sequel of it. But, uh, yeah. No. Completely different movies. Um, yeah, John Wick was about a, uh, Keanu Reeves' dog gets killed and uh, by some people, so he goes after them. You would hate the dog dying, but you would love that Keanu Reeves goes revenge. get revenge on his dead dog, you know, and everything. That's why I never really would want to show you that. <laughs> Just because I don't even want to see it. Just because uh, I own it and I still haven't sat down to watch it. I, when I know something's going to happen, like in Cannibal Holocaust, I know that the a animal dies in that, like a turtle dies in that and stuff. I can't watch it. Just so they made three it. John Wick movies. Yep. How many dogs does this guy? Four. How many dogs does this guy lose? He doesn't lose any. Like after that, like after the first John Wick, the you idea, shot my fish. The idea is just like more assassins keep coming after him oh, from man. based on the last one, you know, or whatever. So he's just now people are just want to just kill John Wick, and uh, he's on four. There's four. Uh, uh, three's already been out, but. Uh, Four, I think, is coming out next year. Dear. So, or this year, which would be 2023. If someone shot my fish, I'd be planning revenge too. I know, right? Somebody hurt Rocky. Oh, oh, oh. they they would no. I I would come after them, and uh, I don't care how I would do it, you know. And I will gladly say that on the air where it would incriminate me. And and you've got your martial arts training too, so you could be, you know, just like Mark DeCostas. I know, I could. There you but, go. Uh, I don't know how much... I'm guessing that Keanu Reeves got some good training for John Wick. Um, but yeah, uh, I, and Mark Dacascas, I've been a fan of... I think I told you earlier, don't think I mentioned this on the air, but I was he, such a huge fan, I actually emailed him uh, on his website. Mm. You know, he had like markdacascas.com back in like, I want to say it was uh, 97, 98 or so. And I sent him an uh, email and said... You know, I'm a big fan. I'd love an autograph picture if I could get one. Uh, here's my address. And I need your back, like my email back. And all of a sudden, one day in the mail, Mark Takaskis sent me a, um, a picture. And it said, to Jonathan, aloha, Mark nice. Takaskis. Nice. And I mean, you know. I'll have to show you Brotherhood of the Wolf. I think you'd really enjoy that film. That's the French werewolf movie based on the Beast of Chavon. Chavon? And, uh, yeah, it's really, really well done. 
I know about that story. Yeah. It's yeah, really so there you go. Mm-hmm. You, you'd probably like it. It's really good. It's really well done. Mm-hmm. And Mark Dacascus is amazing. And yep. I'm like, and that's the thing. Like, he did that and he did Iron Chef. He should have been way more famous than he actually sort of is. Yeah, he's very cool. You know, so he also was in Kickboxer 5. <laughs> you get to see him sing karaoke in this. Yeah. You, he has a really good voice. He actually is a really good singer, too. So. so is that him singing? Yeah. Oh, okay. You could tell. I mean, you could tell from the way he talks and everything. That was his voice. That's cool. So, yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I imagine he doesn't get to do that very often. No, and I, I'm guessing that he also doesn't, you know, like, that's not what he was meant out, nah. sent out to do. Bread and butter for him is action films. Yeah, bread and butter is action films, and, I mean... He was he was in Double Dragon. I mean, it sucked. It was terrible. Mm. I mean, it wasn't his fault. You know, he did a great job. It just didn't make any sense that he was uh, Hawaiian and looked very Asian, and he was brother, like blood brother, with Scott Wolf. You know, who's very American and does not look at all Asian. And they were both Lee. That was their last name. And I was like. Okay. Brother like, from another mother. You know, like, I, no, no. But they had to have a big name uh, star, so they put, uh, you know, put Scott Wolf in there. But that's, that would not be done today. You would not have a an American playing an Asian character, you know, or whatever. Well, if they or, did, there'd be a big outcry, and there should be. There should be, yeah. Um, but they've done that before. Um, it's like oh, yeah. whitewashing. Oh, yeah. um, uh, that's, that's what happened with, like, uh, one of the uh, Marvel movies, they they cast a a character who was obviously supposed to be Asian, and it was a white woman, and you know you can't do that, you know. Oh yeah, the the uh, master in um, Stephen y- Strange. Yep, in Doctor Strange, yeah. So Doctor Strange is yeah. There was a big outcry on that, and they were like, oh, like they came back. They they mentioned how they were like, we should have been a little bit more careful. Well, it's not that there aren't appropriate Asian actors out there. There are. That's, that's the thing. So that's just it, is you utilize someone who's Asian to play an Asian part. There's right. nothing wrong with Now, I'm not going to say that you can never do that. I mean, the whole point of being an actor is playing somebody that you're not. Right. But, you know, let's, let's not ignore an entire group of people just because they're not the bigger star. You know what right. I mean? That's usually why they do that. They don't usually whitewash it because they're evil people that hate anyone who's not white. They usually do it because they're trying to make extra money by casting somebody who's got a, a much bigger star. Yeah, and usually, and I hate to say it, but in America, the bigger star is an American star. So, internationally, though, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's somebody else from France. or. Hey, and for a long time, they, these guys were getting a lot more money from overseas, especially China than they were in America. So things, politics like that tends to change a lot with movies. So in a way, I'm kind of glad that these guys got to make their movie the way they wanted to do it, even if it is kind of the same kind of stuff we've seen before. Exactly. And you were talking about going back to like Kung Fu Rascals and how crazy and weird and different that was and how, I mean, just seeing Les Claypool as a villain, you know. Oh, that was great. You don't get to, you don't get to see that. And so... A movie like this, you sort of get to see, but once again, this was, you know, um, he had made Guyver one and two, and that was those were good, but those weren't his calling cards. It's funny because the villain, the main guy that keeps tracking him, 
that guy could have been Les Claypool. I mean, it was so yeah. close to being Les Claypool. I think if they, if casting-wise, they probably would have wanted to go mm. that way, but they just decided to go with somebody who probably somebody, had a little bit more Yeah, somebody power. who had the money was like, yeah, no, 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 no. No, you can't do that. But maybe not. Maybe they didn't even think about Les Claypool, but they were like, let's get a Les Claypool type, mm. you know, or whatever. So, yeah, um, he's the singer for Primus, and uh, everybody loves him. Um, and he was great in uh, Kung Fu Rascals. He would have been great in this. Um, so, for Brittany Murphy, I don't remember exactly where she was in her her career, career at this point. Um, she on the way up? She, so, this would have been 95. That's when Clueless came out. Okay, so she kind of made a big splash. With Clueless, Clueless was the movie that pretty much... Now, after that, she did, like, Girl Interrupted, I believe. Mm. Like, that was, I think, 97, I want to say. So, like, she really went up after that stuff. And then she did, you know, Just Married with uh, Ashton Kutcher. So they kind of lucked out by grabbing her on on the way up. Yeah, but... I'm surprised, then, that this didn't really make more of a, you know, a box office splash. I mean, it went direct-to-video, to to begin with. So it didn't Mm. even go box office. Yeah, that's a shame. So I'm... Sure, that's not what they planned. I'm sure they wanted to, but also for a three point five million dollar budget, unless like a company like um, like a distribution company like Universal or somebody big came in and it's a said, "Shame they didn't make this for HBO. That would have been great." You know what? I don't know if Lionsgate was big at that time, but Lionsgate would have. This is something that they would have like mm-hmm. ate up, and they they would have put out on on big screens and yeah, stuff, especially yeah. for such a low budget. Stephen Wang should uh, should direct another movie and have it be for Lionsgate. Stephen Wang should get into HBO because they would give him all kinds of creative control. I would love to see a series that he could do. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, but probably because sadly, uh, and this is not this is not a disparaging remark against him, but he's sort of not really that much known except for mm. us. You know, us kind of people. Like if you go to somebody like Lenore and say Steve Wang. She won't know who he is. Now she will, because she's seen this movie, maybe. Steve Wang. Yeah, not really. Still don't know. Yep, see? Um, but like, or, but if I say Keanu Reeves, yeah. See, she, I'm, she, she, I'm going to call you up in the middle of the night sometime and say, Steve Wang. And you'll be <laughs> like, oh, I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't know who Keanu Reeves is. <laughs> you don't know who Keanu Reeves is? I've had more exposure to movies through Paul than I have any other source. Oh, God, no. You're not going to get Hollywood exposure. <laughs> you're not going to get Hollywood exposure that way. You know, but all right, whatever. Anywho, you're going to get you're gonna get all your indie exposure and, and some good stuff, but not, you know, the Hollywood good stuff or whatever. Um, aside from that, though, yeah, this was, this was really well done. This was very independent. This had the heart of an indie and also, like I said, the heart of a mainstream film. Like, this is... This was probably Steve Wayne's wannabe calling card. And this might have been the thing that got him working on Power Rangers and things like that. Because people saw, like, hey, this guy can direct action stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? Sure. I remember uh, Kevin Smith talking about how he had to do action scenes for Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And he hated it. Because, like, it takes so long to set up scenes. You have to get the lighting right. You have to get the, you know, and it takes a long time. He was like, when I just put people in front of each other to have them say their dialogue, it takes two seconds. You know, like, it's done. And he's happy. You know, it's not like a long process. 
Uh, action yeah, directors you, are action directors. You need, you almost need an assistant director who specializes in that to do it for you. If you, if that's not your bag, right? You know what I mean, but then they're pretty much co-directing then at mm-hmm. that point, and and I would hate that. Like, I if I'm going to direct an action movie, I better be ready and happy and excited to direct an action movie. You better have some you experience. Know. Better have shot a few short films with some action stuff in there to get your feet wet. <clears throat> exactly that kind of thing. So. Uh, with that being said, I think we are at that time, actually, to, to do the stinkometer. So is there anything else that we left out? Is there anything you wanted to mention? There's, like, two scenes I would have changed to add more comedy. What would you have done? The scene where they're sawing through the handcuffs and the wife interrupts. I think it would have been funny if he kept sawing while they were talking, because he doesn't have any real skin in that skin in that argument. He's just there to get them cut off. Yeah, he right. just kind of stands there and looks away. Oh, yeah. It would have been funny if he kept sawing while, oh, while the other guy's talking. That makes sense. And the other one is when there's the explosion and um, Malik catches... What is the girl's name? Uh, Deliverance? Deliverance. Deliverance. Weird when name. Malik catches Deliverance, I think it would have been funny because she kept trying to do the flirting thing. Um, considering he just had to catch a whole person's weight unexpectedly during an explosion, and now she's moving and trying to flirt, I think it would have been funny if he just dropped her. <laughs> that would have been funny. I mean, in real life, I'm pretty sure most people would. Just yeah. because if you're not prepared to catch a person, and they're making it harder. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. That was... But I think, like, the, the idea was it was supposed to be that, like, she thinks of it as romantic, and he's doesn't at all yeah. so she's because like it's not because it's not but she's like looking at going oh my god you're holding me like in one of those old hollywood films where the people catch each other or whatever and they'll hold you know like that was the idea because but, yeah, that's it the music that came on yes exactly and it would have been hilarious if you're right if he was like no no <laughs> like I, I don't have any interest drop there you the go shit. Oh, maybe that's in the uh maybe that's in the director's cut i, hope I guess so. <laughs> That would have been an extra th- thing that maybe they took out or they just didn't put in there because they just didn't think of it at the time. Well, it's funny because there's a lot of similarities and a lot of scenes and a lot of things that happen in this movie that are going to also happen in the movie we're about to see. Oh, so. liar. <laughs> You're going to be like, wow, I can't tell these movies apart. The quality is right there. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I doubt it. All right. So, uh, we're going to do the stinkometer. So, Rate our um, movies 1 to 10, by which the lower the score, the uh, better the film is. All the way up to 10, where uh, the high score, where it's very, very stinky and the film has a lot of problems. Yes, so, so there's also going to be 0. 0.5 if you <clears> feel like the, uh, was it, uh, the, the, you, uh, you can't tell the difference, you you're not sure 6 or 7, you want to do 6.5. Half step, being so. Half step. So we usually let our guests go first. Uh, Lenore, uh, what, what would you rate this movie? Too much pressure. <laughs> oh, do you, would you rather somebody You'd else? like one of us to go? Um, honestly, I didn't see many problems with the movie. The filming seemed good. The plot was easy to follow. It wasn't very stinky to you? No, not really. I'd say one, one and a half. Oh, wow. wow. One and a half, wow. One, so which one do you want to go with? One and a half. One and a half. Yeah, right. I think it could use some fine-tuning, but it seems pretty good to me. All right. What about you, Paul? I'll probably go three and a half. 
Three um, Yeah, it's well done. Um, I'm glad to see Stephen Wang being able to show everybody the kind of stuff he can do. I just wish it wasn't a conventional Hollywood type of film that I usually don't give two hoots about, unfortunately. But it was all well done, and Mark DeCostas is always great, so uh, I really don't have a whole lot to complain about. And like you said, it was, it was just well done, and uh, yeah, pretty good movie. Pretty good movie. And I'll, you know, kind of go in between, but I'm going to say three, um, because... Uh, I, so I love this. This was like one of my favorite movies for a long time. I'd watch this on VHS. I think I even bought the VHS or something from Video Update. Uh, so I love this movie. And then, uh, and then I, um, watched Kung Fu Rascals. And I was like, that's a much better movie as far as like more fun and goofy and silly. Right, right. And, and just like. It seems like that would be what what Drive would want to do. They would want to go that silly in that route, but they just they couldn't because of uh, financial. Like they wanted, they wanted this to be mainstream, and mm. so if you go mainstream, you can't make all that goofy stuff because a lot of people don't like and that. And it's unfortunate because yeah. you know if you had done this like in the spirit of Kung Fu Rascal, it would have been very different and not like any of the other kind of buddy movie so, things. You know, if I had to rate, you know, Kung Fu Rascals, I probably would give that a two. Even though that's less money and it's kind of and stinkier, I still don't think it's stinky. It's, it's fun. It's a shame because clearly it's to make it more of a Hollywood kind of thing. You can't do that. But in the end, this went straight to video anyway. So it's kind of like they just, you know what I mean? I wish they had been able to do the other style. But, you know, for all I know, because I didn't watch the, the background stuff, this is exactly what Stephen Wayne wanted to do anyway. So maybe he wanted to step away from the silly stuff on. Yeah, maybe. And I probably, like, you know, after a while you get kind of tired. Like, you want to grow as an artist, you know, and everything. Maybe this is his thing of like, you know, I could do a mainstream film without the mainstream budget necessarily. So with an indie budget, and it's it still indie. I mean, 3.5 3 or 3 is still a indie budget, you know. So. Sure. Um, so they were able to make a movie that just probably, if, if it just had gone to, um, uh, out there, was picked up by somebody, um, like I said, Lionsgate now would probably pick that, this uh, movie up, but back then it probably, there wasn't that many, like, United Artists and, uh, and Universal and Fox and whatever, and they did pick up indie films, but not, not as much, not as much, and back then, only movies like probably like Reservoir Dogs, I think, got picked up by you know Miramax or one of those companies right. after you know. This uh, is really sort of the days before a lot of the online stuff, so you wouldn't have had Netflix, you wouldn't have had you exactly. Know, all but the other even ones. so, like Netflix <laughs> and whatnot, they don't they Apple. don't buy those movies. They buy them to already put them out on streaming. It's usually the distributor will go to Netflix and say, hey, can you put this out? Unless you they know, finance it themselves. Unless they finance it themselves, right. Which, I mean, would Netflix have, you know, financed this movie? If they did, they would have This, this would have been a great Netflix movie. This would have been great if they had, like, a huge budget for it, too. I'm surprised and, that it's not on Netflix. Should be. Uh, um, well, MVD put it out, and I'm very glad they did something with it. It's um, a really nice box, too. Yeah, it's very shiny and um, 
I, you know, I like, uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I generally like the ones, uh, the, was it the, um, really the cover boxes that you can actually put in through the bottom and this one goes through the side, mm. but I, I don't, I don't care. As long I as will covered. most likely pick this up. It won't be on 4k though. I'll see if I can get the DVD. Okay. Well, uh, if you ever need to borrow my DVD, just let me know because I got that copy or whatever. What about you, Rocky? What do you give it? What do you give it, Rocky? Two arfs. Arf, arf. Paws up. Arf, arf. Well, so arf one and a half, three and a half, Woo. and a three, that's what, eight? Woo. That's a pretty good score. Yep. That's a pretty good low score for, we've, we've had some low scores this season so far. And we've had some high scores. <laughs> we've had a couple high scores, but not that many, actually. Um, yeah, amazing but, to have two movies on the same day where we're going to have incredibly low scores. Well, if we include Rocky's two, it averages out to two and a half. <laughs> yeah, there you wow. go. There you go, Rocky. You're helping out us average shit out, you know, right? Two, two scores. Yeah. He's like, I will work for pizza. Oh, God. We you... haven't given him any pizza. I don't think he watched the movie, really, so he can't really vote. No. He was too busy trying to find the pizza. He was oh, too God. busy being a squirrel. <laughs> He's a cute squirrel. He was bouncing from one person to the... He does this all the time. He's going to do it for the next movie that we do. Know. He just bounces. Well, I don't know. This one might put him to sleep, too. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Fortunately, it's, only, it's not even an hour, so... Well, that's good, I guess. But anyway, uh, you won't hear about that for another couple months. Oh, so. boy, you're going to hear about it, too. <laughs> yeah, for another month or so. But until then, everybody, I uh, want to thank Lenore. What have you been up to, Lenore? Oh, I'm working on my Ph.D., um, nice. I got some pet frogs and a fish. Um, that's why Paul mentioned frogs earlier. Nice. Yeah, they're very cute. I love them so much. Who's taking care of your animals while you're here? My roommate. Um, she said she'll be taking care of them until I get back. Oh, She's that's doing nice. a really good job. Good. Send you pictures of your fishes and your frogs while you're away? Yeah, there was some power surges that knocked out the internet, and uh, the construction next door is keeping people from getting in to fix it, so she doesn't have anything to do except watch the tank, because... Well, thank God the tank is okay. Like, oh, the yeah, power didn't go out. It's yeah. on its own generator. Oh, okay. Yay. Yay. Well, there you go. Well, thank you, Lenore. We, we always love having you, and anytime we get to grab you, we have to do two videos we did last time. I mean, it's no Turkish Star Wars, but, uh, you know, you probably had enough of that. It's no pocket ninjas either, which I know you weren't really. <laughs> Though you did fall asleep to Turkish Star Wars and not to pocket ninjas, so there's something there. So we'll see. Hopefully, you won't fall asleep to whatever Paul's got next for you. What did you plan? <laughs> you will see very, very soon. Wait, you're just soon. figuring this out. He's got something evil for you. I don't know what it is, but. <laughs> no, I suspected he was going to pick something stinky for me to watch. Yeah. I, I think he takes some amusement from my reactions. I I picked something Christmassy for you to watch. It's the Christmas season. And I'm the coal in your stocking. The coal, yeah, you're definitely... You're on the naughty list, Paul. I know. So we'll <laughs> probably talk about that in the, the next one in June. But until then, everybody, thank you guys for checking this out. And uh, join us for the next episode. I'm not sure. Wait. It would be May, so... It's probably be Paul's movie, whatever it is, for him next. Until then, everybody, have a good one. Bye. Bye. Rocky, say bye.
Tiki. Say bye bye. Fark, fark. Go on. Sing, you little goblin. You okay, buddy? You scared? Okay. I don't want to scare my baby anymore. Bye-bye.